0: Started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Justified Cultures, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly Racing, Bill's Pipes, W Wheels, Maxima USA, Moto Ice Wrap, 100% Goggles, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views. Inside the sport of motocross, the gate's about to drop
1: on Big MX Radio.
0: Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by Fly Racing and Justified Cultures. You can go to JustifiedCultures.com right now and enter discount code Big BigMX. That's Big MX seventeen to receive thirty percent off your bill. I'm your host, Brad Gebhart. With us on the line, we got none other than Scott Dennison. Scott, how are you this uh this afternoon?
2: I'm doing really good. How are you?
0: Hey, I'm not doing too bad, counting down the minutes to uh, boarding a flight tomorrow to uh, head down to California for uh, for some riding, as well as uh, uh, taking in the uh, W Wheels USA World Vet Championship, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited on all accounts.
2: Very cool, very cool. It's going to be a fun one. We're finally, the weather cooled down some, so actually it's supposed to be really, really nice this week.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, like, uh for a lot of people who are wondering, uh, who exactly is Scott Dennison? Why is he on the Big MX Radio Podcast?
2: Well, I uh I got the invitation, uh, because you guys obviously had seen a bike that I just got done building and uh yeah. that was you know really more just a fun project I started for myself and ended up, you know, kinda of taking it a little bit too far as tends to happen and some uh, people get kind of excited about it, so
0: Absolutely. It's an absolutely gorgeous motorcycle that uh um uh, like really couldn't couldn't keep my eyes uh, take my eyes off and uh thanks to my Instagram about uh, 4000 people uh, are are have have seen it as well. Uh like uh, you you're able to uh get the thing completely uh built up, re- uh get the thing revved up and uh it sounds super sweet. Um what is it about the 2001 Cr two fifty that uh, inspired a build, um, and like before, actually you know, before we talk about the whole build and whatnot, well, let's let's get the, the backstory of, uh, of of Scott Dennison and his uh, life through motocross and your your introduction to it. Where did that all start for you? Let's turn the clocks backward.
2: Well, I you know I've been an industry child since I was, I was little. Uh, my parents, around the time I was born, actually owned a Honda dealership in Denver. And my dad, um, I guess back then actually was both Honda and Husqvarna. And at the time, you know, they were kind of the dominant off-road bike. And, you know, mid 80s or so, Husky goes kind of belly up and they went from being really good to kind of not available and just, you know, tough sell. And so pretty much all of my dad's, you know, Husky customers switched over to Hondas and he ended up starting to build some parts you know, that would make a CR250, you know, mid-80s motobike better off-road, and it started with heavier flywheels and went into wide ratio transmissions and things like that, and that company uh, became what you know today as Moose Racing, or Moose Off-Road, and it's a gear company now. And, oh, right uh, he, on. Yeah, and so he, that was kind of how, you know, my family name sort of got, you know, a little bit, tiny bit known in the industry, and, you know, my brother and I both have obviously You know, got bit by the motobug pretty early and followed our careers into it. Uh, My brother was the editor of Dirt Rider Magazine uh, for quite a while. Um, And then I've been in the industry, you know, for a long time from working at bike shops uh, to eventually moving out to California. And then I ran a a Cycle Gear store for a while. Um, And then after that, I was actually the first employee of 6D Helmets. I was their sales manager for about three years. And then I left there about a year ago and took my current position at C Concepts as their I handle all their uh the dealer contact and, and a lot of the marketing stuff and, and whatever else I need to take care of so he's uh, kind of where I am today fair enough and so so
0: what's what's all involved in your your current uh, position uh where you're at
2: well it's a small company still um six years ago that actually they started it out of the owner's garage and uh you know, fast forward to today, we've got some pretty impressive volume going on. And so um, I was really hired to take the lead on, um, you know, kind of streamlining a lot of the internal operation stuff um, and then really getting the, the dealer side of things going very strong. Um, and I've also taken on uh, marketing and, and rider support as well. So we work with a lot of the uh, top off-road teams. We have nearly every GNCC team actually running our product right now. Um, as well as quite a few other uh, individuals in just about every discipline of off-road racing. I've um, got a couple of Supercross guys, and then kind of putting together, uh, right now, a real good amateur program, which we're going to roll out here pretty soon, too. Fair
0: enough. So, so what are some of the features and benefits of the products that, uh, that you guys produce?
2: Well, our primary thing, you know, unlike other uh, you know, kinda companies that are known for their seat covers, we're way more than just a, a good looking cover. Um obviously we've got some cool materials available and some neat designs there too, but our seat foam is kind of what put us on the map. And our foam is actually our own proprietary formula. Um we own the okay. speaker recipe to that stuff. And it's a much better quality foam than you're gonna find on, on a stock bike. And our production process is pretty cool too because it allows us actually to modulate the density of the foam to suit the rider's weight or personal preference. Oh, so you like them? Yeah, super, that's huge foam, super hard. Yeah, it's very, very yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, because like I'm I'm 185 pounds. A friend of mine has a 2016 KTM with the exact same seat on it. He's a large gentleman. He's six foot four, 330 pounds. Uh, but it's the same foam under both of us, so
2: that 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 doesn't add up, right? Oh, absolutely not. And that's something where it's going to feel a lot better to you than it would to him. I think all he's going to be feeling is a pan. And so for, uh, you know, for heavier riders, you know, we can definitely dial up the density a little bit. And it's kind of relative because a harder foam is going to feel similar to a big guy than a, a softer one would to a little guy.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, yeah cuz actually I know my my dad he uh he went off the back of his Kawasaki 252 stroke which uh uh subsequently uh he had a broken seat, a broken back fender, a broken uh, oh. subframe and uh number plates as uh, to go along with uh, everything else was as well as his his back was broken as well but uh he replaced that with an SDG seat and uh I I've never experienced a seat stiffer and more or less comfortable than that uh piece of concrete right there
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, they're you know they're a quality product, but they really only have kind of the one density, and and, you know that works for some guys. I mean, we get you know some of my athletes like them rock hard, and you know kind of tell those guys, well, you know you got to ride it, not me. So if that's what you want, that's what'll build you. But (laughs) definitely for for you know the average person, um, you know there's there's a lot more benefit to be had there by actually changing that. You know, and I was one of those guys that like when I took this job, I'd never even really considered getting a more comfortable seat, you know, I would do a long trail ride and in the end of it, I'd be like, you hey, know, of course my butt hurts. I just rode 200 miles. And then <laughs> I got yeah. educated pretty quick that it actually doesn't have to be that way. And there's things you can do that will make them significantly better. And then I started to really realize how bad some of the stock seats are and uh, really opened my eyes. I think a lot of riders that I think that's our biggest battle is kind of educating the consumer that, Hey, you know, you should be looking at this because it can really make a big difference in your enjoyment of your riding.
0: Absolutely, and like uh, it, like that's like anything. Like you feel like, uh, oh, like uh, like my bars can only ever be like this. My my seat can only ever be like that. My uh, like I have to just deal with the fact that I have got no traction. Well, if for for that no traction thing, you'll go get a, a different tire. For uh, like you don't like your bar bend, you'll go get different bars. Most people wouldn't think to like, oh, uh, the, the bike came with a seat. I guess I'm stuck with that seat. But the the fact is, is that uh, nowadays. Um, Seat covers are probably easier to to change out and 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 are built with better quality than ever before. It's not crazy to uh, to replace the whole uh, shooting match.
2: Oh, absolutely, and you know we do for a lot of bikes. We do do, you do a a bases foam as cover. well. Yeah, um, bases for some. The the injection mold tooling for an actual seat pan is tremendously expensive. I mean, we're talking ten you know ten grand or so plus. So we only right. do those for for really the best selling models. And I think I've got about twenty nine different bikes we do bases for. But for foam and cover kits, um, the mold tooling for the foams is a lot more reasonable. So for one of those, if it's something we think we're going to sell a few of, we tool up and do it. And we've got, uh, in total, about 330 applications.
0: Oh, right on. So uh, so maybe the, the 2016 uh, KTM 252-stroke uh, will get a new seat after
2: all. That's Yeah, the, the current KTMs are one of our best-selling models. I actually have... Um, six different seats that'll fit the new style KTM. So we've got our, 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 comfort seat, which is going to be a little wider and flatter than the stock seat kind of towards the rear. And we have have that in three different heights, low standard and tall. So standard, obviously being what came on the bike low and taller, a little bit either way than that. And then also the OEM width competition seat, which is the same shape roughly as the stock seat still our better quality foam. Um, uh, it also comes with a more grippy and more durable cover, and then I've got that in low, standard, and tall as well. And then you can do it as a complete seat or as a foam and cover kit. So we we have all sorts of stuff for that bike.
0: Do you, Do you have any uh, anything that would be uh, purpose built for for uh, a midget like uh, the Martin brothers?
2: Well, you know, our low seat. That's a, that's the tough thing about KTM. You know, we take them for our low model. We go as low as we can get, and and we're actually only able to take about 15 millimeters out of the stock seat before it just turns into something you don't want to sit on. And uh, so our low is a little bit lower. Um, You know, it's a tricky thing because we're in the business of trying to build more comfortable seats, but you have to think of foam thickness kind of like suspension travel. You know, it's always better to have more, and when there's not very much, you can't do as much with it. So any low seat, unfortunately, is just kind of a bit of a trade-off in comfort because they do have to be a little firmer to compensate for that lack of, of foam thickness.
0: Fair enough. So, uh, like, safe, safe to say that this uh, this most recent uh, bike build that you completed has a uh, as a seat from you guys on it.
2: It does, yeah. We uh, you know built one for my bike. We don't have bases for the older CRs because that's. I mean, let's face it, sales wise, you know, we're not moving tons and tons of those. You know, yeah, uh, those pipes doesn't even make them. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny. I've seen the two stroke thing really starting to come back, though. Um so I I would yeah. not be surprised to see the aftermarkets are showing a little more interest in it. and they'd be smart to do that cuz you know definitely need to do everything we can to bring back a more affordable level of sport.
0: Absolutely and that that's a purely the only reason why I'm back on two strokes is that to uh from a maintenance side of things from a uh um just a a, a budget side of things it's just it's just more more cost effective for me to ride a two-stroke i think you can get more two-stroke for your dollar when it comes to hopping these things up and uh, when you go high compression on a four-stroke uh it's only a matter of time before you've got a big bill on your hands so uh um, as much as you, you love the four strokes they drop the lap times like no tomorrow they are the easy button um i think the like in the long run, I think a lot of people are going to be looking to uh, freshen up some some a little bit tired four, 2 two-strokes to continue racing, and maybe that means getting a brand new seat for their CR to two uh, Kawasaki or something else like that.
2: Oh, absolutely! That's you know for what I see is the entry level of the sport, you know, because it used to be that if a kid saw motocross and thought it was cool and wanted to go racing, and his dad two could grand, look it, in. in the paper, yeah, he could find a used one twenty-five for like nothing. And they're at the track, you know, and then when the thing broke, you know, it was 130 bucks and it was a one beer project, you know, dad could fix it. Exactly. And now like a good 250F F motors, way more than an entire used 125. And And these kids that, that are not like the, you know, the higher level hardcore racer, but want to get in the sport and try it. This just totally cost prohibitive for them. And, you know, that's oh, yeah. the and
0: I, I wouldn't touch a used four-stroke. There ain't no way. I don't care if you could say that it was girl-ridden. I don't care if it yeah. was trail-ridden, farm-ridden. I don't want to get on a 10-year-old four-stroke, but I I would buy a mid-90s two-stroke over buying a uh, late 2000s uh, four-stroke.
2: Oh, absolutely. That, that's the yeah. thing. 250 you know, Fs, as fun as they are, to me it's a ticking time bomb because when it goes, and it will go, it's going to be bad i mean it's going to be three grand bad and you know oh, meanwhile, yeah. like you, two you've stroke, got a, a paperweight in your from... yeah
0: yeah like you you've got a bit you've got a big problem in your your garage and a lot of them honestly i know i know guys who literally have 2009 completely blown up four strokes that have sat in their shed for 4 years cuz they're like i can't afford to fix it it's not worth anything broken so like it's just going to sit there Whereas, yeah, like you said, you, you blow up a top end on a two stroke, um, to a good, to a, like a, a skilled technician, they can have it back, uh, going the next morning or even maybe later on that day, uh, for, for, for you or I, uh, like you said, one or two beers and she's all snapped up together and even more, more compression than it had before she popped. So like what's, where's the drop back here? I'm missing one.
2: Oh, exactly. Well, and it's, you know, people need to get it out of their head that they have to have a four stroke to be competitive you know that might matter if you're ryan Dungey, but to an amateur nobody like me a 252 stroke is all you're ever going to need
0: Oh yeah, that's exactly what I sit on, and I on uh, a couple of different occasions this uh, this summer watched um, a, like the the 250 B class, which is the most uh, like the kind of the most competitive class at our local races. A kid unb- uh, uncrates a brand new two 125 two stroke and goes out there and, and just smokes everybody. Whether it's oh, it, yeah. modded bikes, stock bikes, I don't care. Like, it was bikes with uh, stock numbers on it, graphics on it. Doesn't matter. The kid twisted the throttle and had faster lap times than anyone else in that class. And I'm not talking someone that was sandbagging. This kid maybe shows up three or four times a year and just hoses everybody on a oh, 125. Yeah. Well, so well, you can't. Say, it's not the. It's not the technology that's holding anybody back.
2: No, it, it's mental. At a local. I mean, level. It's... You know, if the kid's willing oh, to twist totally. the throttle hard enough, you can make it go. And then, you know, two-strokes, there's a lot to be learned from those things, too, in terms of oh, actual yeah. riding. I mean, they will really teach you a lot. Four-strokes, in my opinion, uh, kind of make you lazy. You know, and I saw this when I got 100%. off a 450 and onto a 250 because i come ripping into a corner and forget to downshift and come out of the corner and the thing would be lugging. and I'd have to remember to <laughs> drop a couple of gears and get back on it. You know, and it was a little Absolutely. bit before I kind of figured out not to do that.
0: I, honestly I take it as a bit of a point of pride as being able to know how to dance on a shifter and make a 125 do what it's supposed to do because oh, yeah. like like you said like a four-stroke a lot of guys can just like they they can fake it till they make it if uh, you come out of a corner with the worst style ever and you can still just click it up a gear and seat bounce this tabletop and do it whereas on a 125 like like honestly if there's a big jump coming up I'm preparing for that kind of momentum like maybe one or two corners beforehand I'm like all right, I gotta, I gotta really start to r- rile things up a bit here because I, I need to be on the pipe and screaming in about f- uh, 400 feet worth of track. So oh, uh, it's. Yeah, and uh, you're making noise. You might not be going anywhere, but you're making noise, and uh, that's the you can't you can't beat that smell. And uh, um, I don't know. I like when I've got I've got a old 2004 KX125, a 2005 KX250 uh, two Very strokes, cool. and uh, there's something there's something special about matching two strokes sitting on stands next to each other, and that's something that I used to see at every Canadian National because back in yep. the day they used to make you run both.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that at every arena cross. Everybody had an identical 125 and 250, you know, That's something cool. about that for sure. I would love to see that. I don't do care
0: just a couple of like those the, the the tune pipes coming out of the side there, and everything's identical except for the pipes, and they're this like identically appointed. You just don't yeah. see that anymore. It was uh, it was a special time, and honestly, that's uh, that's kind of the era of where that bike that uh, you just completed building comes from, and we're gonna talk about that right when uh, right after these messages from Bill's pipes and W wheels.
2: Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to a commercial. We'll be right back.
3: Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who've done Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate JustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, locking promo code BigMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com. To receive 30% off your Justified Culture's clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Culture. Live what you love.
1: This is a test of your racersindex.com awareness. This was a test to see if you're ready to be found at racersindex.com. Supercross and Arena Cross are coming up. Now is the time to secure your position on a team. Mechanics, models, riders, flaggers, team owners, production specialists, anything related to racing, be found at racersindex.com. Click it for your ticket to be found and become part of the racing industry. racersindex.com, your ultimate race production resource. Visit racersindex.com now.
0: When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. 100% equals everything. When you give everything, you do not save anything for later. Do not relax. Do not take a break to catch a breath. Give everything you've got from start to finish. You leave it all on the track. It is very rare that a logo or saying becomes so strong that Hall of Fame athletes choose to run it without any agents, or contracts, or business disgust. Question is, how much do you give? You give 100% on the track, shouldn't your goggles? Whether you choose the Racecraft, the Acuri, the Strata, or the Barstow, 100% Goggles has the right goggle to give you 100% every time you ride. With great accessories, Like the Forecast film system, endless goggle lenses, 100% goggles simply can't be beat. You can find it all on www.ride100percent.com. That's www.ride100percent.com. Go there and join the 100% family.
1: Racersindex.com is your ultimate race production resource. From the starting line of production to the finish line of winning, Racersindex.com is your go-to resource to be a part of or produce a checkered flag winning event. The professional's place to find work and workers, rides and riders, and more. If you need it to make your race event happen, it's happening at Racersindex.com. If you want to be a part of the racing world, join the Racersindex.com team today. If you need people on your team, you can find them at Racersindex.com. Com. Log on now and find what you need, who you need, and anything needed for two-wheel or four-wheel racing. Log on if you're a mechanic, model, rider, flagger, caterer, sound engineer, team owner, production specialist, or anything related to racing. Find all people, places, and things racing all at racersindex.com. From dirt to the track, from desert to the drag strip, racersindex.com is your ultimate race resource. Click it for your ticket to all things racing. racersindex.com.
0: Deft family gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes and we're back big mx radio podcast show still talking to scott dennison about uh his life through motocross as well as uh this beautiful 2001 cr so um before you picked up the C- the cr for a full rebuild scott uh did you did you have any history with this bike or a bike like it uh in, throughout your travels riding i know you're quite a skilled rider yourself
4: well,
2: I had an O one one uh, in O one, one and uh, actually, that was kind of the last year that uh, my brother and I both really raced a lot, and actually, like you were talking about, 125s and 250s together, we each had uh, each bike, you know, and, and it was really fun to have, you know, one twenty five and cool. two fifty, And just, you know, it was kind of like the last summer before, like, responsibility showed up, and you had to have a job and, and rent and all that stuff, so kind of a special time for me, just... Just a lot of really good memories from back then.
0: And and good on you for having the 250 because I imagine that if you were to if if you had to choose between getting your 2001 either one of your 2001s back, you'd probably say the 250 over that uh, that 125, which uh, let's be honest, lacked a little bit of top end. It lacked a little bit of mid range, and it lacked a lot of top end speed.
2: Oh, it it lacked everything. That (laughs) Honda, you know, it was a good bike. I mean, I'm not knocking the Hondas, but at the time, I was working at a Honda shop, so that was kind of what I had to ride. And all of my competition were on on Yamahas, you know, and every weekend, I would just get destroyed by the blue bikes. And I threw everything out of that little 01-125 to try to make it keep up with just a stock Yamaha. And it was finally... You know, I guess it probably made enough horsepower, but the sweet spot was so tiny it was like impossible to keep it in the the really good part of the power van. That thing just, i put a lot of great parts together and make a horrible motorcycle.
0: Fair enough. Oh yeah, and like yeah, I just I just know uh, there was a couple of teams locally or like some some dealerships that had some support riders, and uh, the the number of guys that were would just absolutely spit through their teeth about having to uh d- just dump all kinds of cash into the the, the 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 CRs, knowing that the Yamahas and actually that that same era of Suzuki were just really really strong bikes. You're Just like
1: yeah,
2: they were tough really time. good back then.
0: Yeah, like I, I know a friend of mine. He turned pro on a on a YZ125. The very the very next year, he switched to Suzuki, and uh, it was a, a a much more better support on the Suzuki. But he's like, it was like I I just wish I had last year's bike back. I just I like his, it was a '99 uh, YZ, and those things were just great. You saw, and you even saw it in, in Supercross the only time that a two stroke was really challenging for Supercross championships over Mitch Payton's uh, cowies where it was the, those era of uh, of Yamahas.
2: Oh yeah, no, those things always were, you know, just really good in terms of making lots of really usable power, and you still see them. I've I've seen a couple of deals go by on Craigslist lately that have been really hard to pass up on those Yamaha's for really cheap. And I think that'll be one of the next ones I want to build, just because that's one bike. Like that '99 to '01 01 YZ125 is kind of one bike that I always wanted and never had. <laughs> so I think one of these days I'm going to be building up.
0: Fair enough. Well, those are all like uh, if I had if I had a nickel for every bike I wanted to build, uh, I could probably afford to buy uh, to build them all. Um, (laughs) There you go. uh um what's in a number a lot of people uh look at a set of number plates and uh for for the most part they tell a story uh your number i don't think i've ever seen i'm trying to think if i've ever seen 258 on a bike ever um it just seems pretty obscure what does that number mean to you uh when you're when you're doing a kevin Wyndham uh replica
2: edition well, that's where that's where the story gets a little interesting. This bike okay. um, kind of fell in my lap actually through some rather tragic circumstances. It belonged to my uncle who passed away from cancer a little over a year and a half ago. I'm sorry about. That. And so you know, obviously that was it was a real sad time and the whole family. And, yeah, and I ended I'm up sure you hear that. You know, kind of giving the bike a new home. And you know, he, as long as I can remember, ever since I was a little kid, um, you know, was was fairly successful in business and would buy a new cr250 every three or four years and that was the bike that he liked he i don't think he ever really considered anything else you know but i can remember he had you know an 83 he had like an 86 you know 88 90s you know a couple of steel frame like mid 90s ones were real good and then this yeah. 01 was the last one that he bought and he'd had it actually new uh, you know since 01 and he was just you know trail guy he didn't really do much to it and rode it and you know kept in good shape but i figured kind of a cool way to honor him would be to build this thing into a, a perfect factory replica you know so it was a real good base bike to start with um but the, the 258 number actually came from the mission statement on the website for his company that he owned he was a photographer and the 258 symbol to him was sort of a a motto or you know kind of his credo that's a step beyond 24 7 and it was was going above and beyond in in life in business in love and everything and it was kind of the mark to him of people that were above and beyond going the extra mile all the time and so it for me it it was it was a no-brainer to put that on the bike
0: yeah and 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 honestly uh that you you've hit the, the Hit the, the ball out of the park on that one, and uh, I, th- I think it, it, it's a it's a sharp looking number, and it's, uh, it it brings a little bit of uniqueness to the build. Uh, like uh, a lot of people would like immediately, uh, if you had the number fourteen on there, they'd immediately identify with that with that number and, and go straight to it. But you've you've thrown a little bit of a curve ball at it, and honestly, from tip to tail, uh, you, you've successfully uh, succeeded at, uh, at at rebuilding a uh, if if if, if, if hrc was to put this bike
2: underneath their ani it wouldn't look out of place whatsoever well oh, very cool thank you it, it was really fun you know it it kind of i didn't have much of a plan when i started it and then there were a couple of kind of obscure honda parts that i sort of told myself okay if i can find these things i'm just going to do it and i ended up getting lucky and coming across a couple of really hard to get pieces which were the the hrc uh you know front number play that was a little bit what kicked off at least the way the thing was going to look, and then I, I fell into just some little bits like the HRC shifter, which is, uh, I'm told, actually off of Tortelli's 01 race bike. Um, and then uh, from which there... You know, the foot bags? Uh, the shifter is. The front, the oh, shift the shifter, lever. okay. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of little stuff that HRC ran for a bunch of years that was never really available to public and was just cool. And I've always kind of had a thing for work Hondas anyway. Um, yeah. To me, that was always, even like prior to the production rule, but even after was sort of the gold standard in factory trickness, you know, and, you know, so it Absolutely. just kind of snowballed from there. And then, you know, I got a little bit obsessive about it, I guess, because once I'd done some of it as clean as I had, I really didn't feel like I could cut corners anywhere else. And so it kind of all had to be perfect and, and it just kind of went from there. And so it turned out actually really, really good. And, uh, it was really fun.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so like, uh, you, we'd mentioned a. uh, a top end is a one beer job how many beer job is was this because uh it looks like if you look at some photos and for those who don't already go uh search for scott on uh on both instagram and uh, and facebook scott dennison and uh he is mxracer uh 618 on uh on on instagram and um like there there's a long list of photos that are are basically like the the basically the story of when it comes to putting this bike together and uh like when you when you see the bike pictured uh you know you posted about 3 days ago of uh, sitting next like sitting kind of right right next to um Ezra Lusk's 01 bike, like it's a spitting image. It's, it's actually eerie how close it is as far as, uh, the, the lettering and just like the pipe and the whole, whole nine yards. You've done something really special here, man. And uh, I know your uncle would be super proud to see this.
2: Oh, thank you. It was, it was cool. Definitely a lot of work. I mean, I, you know, I spent about a year total. It was actually, I think like 378 days (laughs) from when I got the bike to when I actually had it finished. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was downtime, waiting for parts or trying to find a certain thing or, you know, something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it it came out really well. And then I had had help from some buddies in the industry, which was huge. Um, you know, obviously, I think all of my industry friends are pretty sick of me at this point, pestering them to look for really obscure, discontinued parts in their back room somewhere. Um, but I had a couple of guys who were really able to come through for me on on certain pieces, which was very, very cool. So what are uh, what are some of the more obscure? What are the
0: more sp- some special pieces that uh, like uh, the intricate se- the intricate parts that uh, maybe uh, only the purest would notice? Or uh, like I-, I know you'd probably point them out if we were to walk around the bike, as we will on Thursday. Uh, but um, yeah, like w- w- what are some spots on the bike that you personally are really proud of?
2: Well, a couple of things. I mean, the suspension, you know, is obviously the biggest part. I uh, my friend Travis, who runs TVT Racing. Um, set that all up for me and he did their full a kit treatment to it which is the Kashima upper tubes Um, done the coating on those did the tine tried lowers did the black uh, anodized hard coat on the feet and then obviously the internals have all been totally done up by him to suit you know the valving and springs everything for me um, the full bling kit on the shock, he kind of went a little bit nuts on it too. And it's got all kinds of little anodized goodies <laughs> on there. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I tried to make the thing as much as it, you know, it kind of looks like it's just about looking cool. I wanted it to work as good as it looks because I'm going to ride it. Um, yeah, everybody's, been as you should. Through, oh, absolutely. everybody's been teasing me through this whole thing. Saying, oh, you're not going to get it dirty. And actually, I'm going to go get it very dirty on, uh, on Thursday and then beyond, <laughs> you know, cause this is going to be really fun to ride. I can't just sit there and look at it. Um, no kidding. You know, so the suspension was huge. Obviously, it's going to work amazing. It looked just unbelievable. Um, You know, Works Connection uh, still makes quite a bit of stuff to fit that bike. Um, The one uh, extinct part I was able to get from them was the water pump cover that actually uh, you have to weld the tabs onto the frame. Um, And so I had, once I had the thing all the way down to the frame, I got a hold of that and I took it to uh, my friend Michael at Total Chaos Fabrication and he was able to weld on uh, the tabs for the water pump cover and for the skid plate, uh, which is super nice because now I don't have to use those hooks, which is, is a good deal because I got a whole drawer full of bent hooks from hitting rocks and things off-road. Um, you know, so that was cool. Um, and so all the guards were done up, you know, worst connection. And then, you um, know, a lot of little things. It was, honestly, other than the, the HRC replica case covers, which I actually found on eBay, um, I've actually got more money in cleaning products than I do in any one part I put on that bike. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that's it was, impressive. Yeah, it, it was funny. You know, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of steel wool, a lot of Bright, Um, you know, because the bike, you know, when I got it, 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 my uncle was really good about all the major maintenance. Like, it had had every important bit of service done to it, but you know, the thing had never really had a proper bath and never like a good race prep, you know, I mean, he, he you know, would wash it and put it away and that was it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, obviously grew up, you know, son of a really good mechanic. Um, I worked for a time as a mechanic for a couple of different, you know, pro riders and things. And so, you know, to me, I had to totally go all the way through the thing. And so, yeah, it was a lot of scrubbing and cleaning and, um, actually you took the frame to AC or ACing, which is, uh, local to me in Lake Elsinore and they have a ceramic bead tumbler that's just big enough to get a frame into. And, uh, oh, they, wow. yeah, and that was really cool because I'd already been kind of scrubbing on the frame, but it still had a fair amount left to go. And they, they put this thing in this big, big tumbler and the thing vibrates like crazy and rolls the frame around in it. And it came out just sparkling clean and looking really, really good. And, uh, I, and so that was a big part of it. So I, I
0: imagine that uh, there's there's also a uh, a full set of brand new uh, bearings on this thing, and uh, and all, all all that all that's all squared away. Uh, looks like you were able to keep the original wheels and spokes on there as well.
2: Yeah, the wheels are in great shape. Um, I'm going to take them to W at some point and do just new silver excels. Um, but it's you know the stock wheels were good enough that I'm going to wait till I smash them and then <laughs> go get them replaced. You know, because they were actually just needed cleaned up. They were still very straight and true, which I was very happy about. And, uh, you know, the motor was well, actually can... pretty good, too. Um, I didn't really need to do a whole lot to that.
0: What, and, uh, of course, it's a two-stroke build. And uh, the, a two-stroke is only as beautiful as the exhaust system that's on it. And you've equipped this thing with an absolutely lights-out uh, uh, setup. Uh, the the works pipe with that uh, all-too-familiar all uh, uh, one one big weld all the way up the middle of it, and a, and a carbon fiber exhaust system. That thing looks super cool. What's the story behind that exhaust system?
2: Yeah, the pipe is actually the trick. Um, believe it or not, the the pipe on that is actually just a stock CR pipe. And, uh, really? What is involved with getting it to look like that is several gallons of paint stripper and a lot of dead brain cells. And uh, basically, you want <laughs> one stock black painted onto pipe and steel wool and scotch-brite pads and paint stripper, and you take off all the black paint, and uh, yeah, that takes forever. That was that was a lot of work there. And the stuff is really nasty, too. The paint stripper would eat through regular rubber gloves, and so I had to get a uh, like full elbow-length hazmat thick rubber gloves for that deal. Um, oh, but after that, it looks really good, and then you finish it uh, with lime-away, of all things, and uh, it gives it a really unique kind of factory-looking finish to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, just, that's yeah, actually does. the stock pipe on that bike. And then the silencer, um, the, the HRC Kevlar silencers are like impossible to find. Um, I'm continuing to search for the real thing. Um, closest I could get was the bud racing silencer. And so it's an actual, just off the shelf bud racing unit. And for the mounts, uh, cause the bud uh, silencer comes with a, just a wraparound style kind of universal mount that they sell. Uh, But I actually had an old pro-circuit silencer um, that I was able to hack up and take the mounts off of. And I, you know, ground them down and B-blasted them and then drove holes kind of the base of them and riveted them to the body of the bud silencer. And uh, so the thing looks really, really tricky. You know, unless you really know what you're looking for, you know, it looks like a legit factory part.
0: That that it does, yeah. Honestly, like uh, um, it, I, it's a it's a darker uh, woven fabric that I, I'm used to seeing. But yeah, damn close and uh, not too far off. Something that would have been found on uh, either uh, uh, Kevin Windham's bike or uh, or Ezra Lux bike that year, I guess. Um, uh, T- Tortelli would have been on that uh, on this machine as well.
2: Yeah, oh one was uh, was Tortelli Lux and Wyndham. Uh, and you know those, those things were. Obviously, there's a lot more trick stuff on the real factory bikes than on mine. Um, I'll get mm-hmm. there, I think, at some point. You know, one of those silencers is bound to turn up at some point on eBay, here or oh, wherever. For sure. So I'll, I'll keep on the lookout for it. And if I find one and it's reasonably affordable, I'm definitely going to snag it. But I'm pretty happy with the bud uh, unit though that I've got right now. Seems like it's going to run really well, and it looks awesome.
0: No doubt. So uh, I noticed you went with some uh, some red uh, hoses for the uh, for the carburetor. What's going to be the trick to uh, to dialing this in to, thing in to be uh, crisp enough to to run just just right, but not too crisp to uh, to fry the thing?
2: Well, I you know the bike came from Colorado. That's where my uncle lived, and he had it set up for the high mountains. And so the jetting spec that was in that thing was was significantly far off for California. Um what I put in it was uh the jetting spec that actually Pro Circuit has on their website that they recommend. And I figure that's a close enough starting point and then from there I can dial it in. Um uh, need to really ride it to, to do that. It sounds pretty darn good though. I think I'm closer than I thought I was gonna be. And, uh, so we'll just have to see how she runs and I think just some minor adjustments. Um I've had some help from somebody who kinda knows those things on the jetting and they're telling me the Pro Circuit uh spec for the slow jet is wrong. Uh, We'll just have to see, I guess, but it sounds like it's going to be good. Oh, it,
0: it sounded great in that video that I posted uh, earlier today, and yeah, proud to say th- 4,331 views already on that sucker, uh, and uh, cool. all do enjoy it. That's that's really cool. Uh, like I said, whoever whoever isn't already following MX Racer uh, 618 uh, needs to go do so. What, what's um, Where did you get that number, 618, another obscure uh, kind of three-digit? I find that that seems to be uh, something more pop- popular in the states, rather than in, in Canada, a lot you see a lot of two digit numbers because we uh, we stay within our own province a little bit and a few less numbers. But uh, what's with the uh, the six eighteen?
2: Well, you know that one uh, was kind of my number for a long time, and I, I grew up racing in Colorado. And the the RMXA, the Rocky Mountain Motocross Association Club that I raced with, um, has had a deal. I don't know if it's still the way they do it, but way back when, um, you use the last three of your. Club membership number as your number, if you wanted to. You okay. could also pick another number, but the deal was like if you got there on race day and somebody else in your class had that number, they had to change, um, not you. So I, you know, I started just running six eighteen. It's the last, you know, the tail end of my club membership number, and then just kind of year over year, never really changed it, um, and then I just kind of kept it on all of my personal bikes, you know, after I got out to California, and that's. You know, this bike is actually the first bike in a long time. I haven't had 618 on. It uh, looks a little weird not seeing my number on there, but I kind of don't think of it entirely as my bike, though, so it's Okay. <laughs> So, uh, as far as, uh,
0: like, uh, like it, how, how complete is this for you as far as the, the build or like is there's how much would you like to, uh, to see it grow from here? And, uh, is there any possibility that we could get this, this, uh, this machine in the capable hands of a, uh, of a serious photographer? Cause I know, uh, I think, uh, getting some really cool photos of this thing would be, uh, pretty much, uh, mandatory. I know we're getting, I'm getting Kyle Cowling to come out and, and videotape the two of us riding on Thursday. So, uh, we already got a, oh, a talk. Like uh, uh uh video um uh, video guide uh gonna come out but uh getting these things with a photographer this thing with a photographer would be really cool
2: yeah i'd I'd be very interested in that I didn't really you know set out to do this kind of for that i'm I'm pretty flattered and excited that everybody's been so stoked on it you know and it's, uh would be really fun to do that i think as far as the build goes i'm i'm ninety nine percent there um, there's two more parts I'm waiting to come in, um, which is just basic stuff—the throttle tube and a little part in the, uh, the throttle assembly up on the bar. Because there's, it's the old throttle tube that I have on there is kind of crunchy inside and it's a metal one, so I'm just gonna replace it. It's all galled up internally, but um, it's it's you know outwardly it's basically done. Um, so I'm you know ready to ride this one, and I'm already kind of itching to figure out what the next build's gonna be.
0: Fair enough. So what would be your, uh, your top three as your like kind of bucket list bikes for, uh, for, for, for bike builds? I'll give you my top three while you think of yours. Um, top of my list and most people would, uh, probably be surprised to hear, uh, is a 2000, but between, uh, between 2000 and 1998, uh, RM 125. That's, uh, Pastrana. Uh, that'd be like a full blown Pastrana edition with a Bill's pipe system, of course. Uh, but I absolutely just fell in love with that bike when I first, uh, when I first saw it. Um, I would like to do a, uh, pre 2002, like, so 99 to 2002 pro circuit bike. I think that would be really, really cool. And, um, uh I like I wouldn't want to dive too dark, too far deep into the 90s cuz I think parts would be really difficult to make but uh I would have to go with the a, a 1993 to 6 um CR250 and, and get myself a a Steve Lamson edition and just uh and, and just have uh, McGrath wonder why I didn't go with uh with him.
2: <laughs> that would be really cool. That one's on my list too, but I'm going a totally different way with it. Um I've actually, don't tell my wife, I've already kind of started quietly collecting parts for the next one. Um, oh, really? I've got to let the wallet recuperate a little bit from this build first, but
3: um, what I want to
2: build, I need to find a, a late model steel frame CR250, so 96 or close, uh, and I'm going to yep. build actually an off-road bike. I'm going to do a CRE. Um, I'm okay, not sure if you guys not. ever even got those in Canada, but... Um, no, we're just thing.
0: getting the internet last week.
2: <laughs> well... You know, you guys can catch up at some point, I guess. But oh, for sure. Um, no, the CRES. There was a mid to late '90s company in Italy, HM Italy, um, was taking stock CR250s and making them into full-on uh, trail bikes. And so it was headlight, taillight, uh, wide ratio tranny, big tank, hand guards, 18-inch rear wheel, all that stuff, and very cool look. You know, they had for a couple of years. They would turn them to all white plastic with a big red Honda wing on the side and kind of a yellow. CRE logo and I I happen to find um, there's actually a guy in Holland that specializes in rare Honda parts and he has uh, for about 700 bucks a complete or nearly complete new HM Italy CRE kit which is basically everything you'd need to turn a steel frame CR into that bike so I think if that's still available by the time that money's back in the build fund then I'm gonna have to start doing that
0: Fair enough. And uh, for for those who don't already know, you, you, this is not your only build uh, that you've ever done. Um, the first motocross racer I ever heard of, out of my dad's mouth when he was even talking about dirt bikes, was of course Danny Magoo Chandler. Uh, and uh, you got one of his bikes, uh, basically uh, rebuilt and uh, and and squared away. The uh, that 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 machine is a work of art
2: yeah that one i really can't call that a build because i bought it almost like you see it um i actually okay. only put that up a few weeks ago and it belonged to a real good friend of mine was a former honda employee and uh you know he stopped by the office one day and we were just kind of chatting about bikes and things and he mentioned he had that and I, I was like well that's really neat he goes yeah i probably have to sell it though you know he's like i'm not really riding it i said what do you think you want for it and we were able to come to a pretty reasonable agreement. It was kind of one of those deals I couldn't say no to. And so it was almost totally done. And uh, I, you know, it was obviously, the thing was so close to a Magoo replica anyway, I was like, all right, we'll just take it all the way there. And so I was able to, you know, get the thing fixed up a little bit. It only needed just a couple little things, but um, yeah, I didn't even really mean to end up with that one. It just kind of fell in my lap too, but it was definitely one of those deals you don't say no to.
0: For sure. You absolutely do not. Um, uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll tell you my build story. Um, for those who probably have already heard it a few times if they've uh, been listening to my stuff, but, um, my dad introduced me to motocross when I was nine years old. Uh, I'd never, I'd never asked for a bike until until then. I was pretty sure that I knew that my dad rode dirt bikes when I was when he was younger, but no interest whatsoever at this point. I was f- almost for certain going to the NHL, and uh, that didn't end up happening. Uh, just so you're aware, but um, uh, he always talked about his two thousand or his nineteen. 78 RM125. He an absolutely beautiful motorcycle. It was the last race bike that he ever owned. And of course, at one point, he had to uh, get serious about life put dirt bikes down for a bit, and, uh, and, and start a family and whatnot, but he always talked about this bike, the way, like, you talk about the, the girlfriend that got away, or something sort of like that, and I always thought to myself, if I ever have an opportunity, even from a young age, I'm like, if I ever have an opportunity to find that motorcycle, I would, I would restore it back to, uh, how dad had it, uh, right before he ended up having to see it, uh, roll down his driveway, and to never be seen again, and, um, uh, there was a, there was a kid that was, or a guy that was riding it. Uh, I like got a Suzuki, uh, RM, uh, uh, 78 RM at a local track. And I followed him back to his, his, his pit area. And I was just like, how much do you want for it? He's like, Oh, I'd never sell it. It's, it's my uncle's bike. And, uh, he gave it to me and blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, well, if you ever do want to sell it, uh, let me know. I'll never, will never finagle on price for you. And, um, that, that, later that, that summer, it, almost, it was almost fall. He calls me up. He says, Hey, uh, I just bought a brand new bike. My wife says, I need, uh, to, I need to move one of these things. Yeah. So he, he had a couple other, uh, um, vintage bikes. So, uh, I was like, How much you want? He says, $2,000. I was like, Where do you live? So I drove over to his up. place, handed him $2,000, and, uh, I asked him if he could bring, like, he had, he had, like, new foot pegs and new bars and, uh, uh, a couple of other different things on the bike. He even had the original tires still in a shed, and I was like, "If you can bring it back to stock, that would be really appreciated." Uh, he did so for me, no questions asked. Had it all ready to go. Uh, even fixed one of the broken spokes, which I was amazed that he had extra spokes for the damn thing. Um, and I got a brand new set of uh, plastics made up, uh, or uh, got got them out of Illinois. There's a place that makes them. And uh, for Christmas morning, my dad had the 101 on the sitting in the in the. Living room, and uh, he had his jaw on the floor. Couldn't believe uh, that it had come back from the dead.
2: Oh, that's way cool
0: yeah man like just for all all the the bikes my dad had ever given me for all the opportunities that uh he had uh bes- like basically like i like i, I n- honestly never really asked to be a, a, a Moro cross racer i wanted i i loved i found a love for it once i was in it but uh prior to i just uh i just didn't didn't know it didn't know about it right so uh but uh it's it's become a passion enough for the, me to uh start my own podcast and just a ton of great things and i thought that if i could ever give back to my dad in one way would be to uh, bring that bike back to him, which he would uh, he had to say goodbye to. So that was pretty cool.
2: That's very cool. Yeah, I'd like to do something like that. It'd be really fun.
0: Yeah, man. Like, uh, are, are you into vintage bikes? Do you, do you tinker with these things or what?
2: Well, no. This this, uh, this CR480 is really my first kind of foray into that. Um, I can see myself getting into it. Um, my boss, actually, prior to starting C Concepts, uh, was the guy behind Extreme Vintage YZ. And uh, so he built some really trick, uh, kind of like early YZ 490 air hammers, you know. And so just hanging around him every day, you kind of get bitten by the same bug, and you start to realize, like, this could actually be pretty cool. And uh, so I think I can see myself probably – I think I'm fully sucked into the Vortex at this point, um, you know. But uh, – <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, I don't know, I you know' kind of see what the next one's gonna be, and you know the deals sort of seem to just keep finding me, so I'm sure I'll come up with something cool in a minute.
0: Awesome, man. Well, uh, in, in in only a couple of years' time, you'll 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 probably you'll just be known as the uh, as the the vintage bike guy of of Cali. So, uh, um, really excited to have you on the show, man. I think it was a great conversation. Uh, let, let's absolutely do this again. Um, about maybe even this time next week when we're talking about the two of us going out and uh, putting some laps on this beautiful bike that uh, that the like you said is not going to stay shiny for long.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been really fun, and I'm excited you're going to be down here this week, actually. It'll be pretty cool, because uh, we'll come out Thursday night, go to Paris for a little night jam. I'll we'll bring the 482, and we can go play with that thing some, and then uh, I don't know if I'm going to no race doubt. this weekend or not. Uh, we'll kind of see what the plan is, but uh, one way or the other, I think I'll probably be there just hanging out, if anything, so. Definitely.
0: Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast's sake, we'll cut it off right there. Very Cool. Thank you for listening to the Big MX radio podcast brought to you by 100% Goggles. Be sure to head to ride100% that's R I D E 100 P E R C E N T dot com to check out all available product, goggles, and a full rundown of the company itself. Also, make sure that you check out racersindex.com to register. And find yourself an industry job. If you're a mechanic looking for a job or if you're a rider looking for a job, go to racersindex.com. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and contact me at bradgebhart88 at gmail.com for any suggestions or review or feedback. Always appreciated. Thanks again for listening.
4: Another day is nearly done A darker gray is breaking through a lighter one A thousand sharpened elbows in the underground That hollow hurried sound Feet on polished floor And in the doll The clerk is closing up And counting loonies trying not to say I hate Winnipeg The driver checks the mirror seven minutes late The crowded rider's restlessness enunciates Guess who sucked, the jets were lousy anyway The same route every day And in the turning lane Someone stalled again He's talking to himself And hears the price of gas repeat his phrase golden business boy will watch the north end die and sing I love this town then letters our king wrecking ball proclaim I hate Winnipeg